Hey, this is Scott Ardella, author of the new book, The Edge of Strength, now available on Amazon, and you're listening to the Ardella Training Podcast, a no-nonsense weekly fitness and performance podcast dedicated to the serious fitness enthusiast, coach, or athlete. Thanks for joining me this week. Let's get started. All right, guys, what's up? Welcome to episode number 163. Got a great show for you today. There's a lot going on as always, so let's get right into things. This week, I'm going to answer some great email questions that I received, and I know that you're going to get a lot out of, no matter where you are in your training. Some really good insights, some very specific tactical things here, whether you're a beginner or further along in your training. And I think, again, you're going to get a lot out of this week's session. Now, last week, I challenged people to drop in their number one takeaway from the interview from last week's show with Greg Everett. So guys, I'm still looking for those takeaways. I would love for you to post your takeaways, your questions, your insights about each show in the comments section of each episode. Now, I definitely want to hear more from you guys. I want to know how these interviews and episodes are benefiting you. And by posting your big takeaway, it will actually help you. It will reinforce your learning and start a conversation. So guys, I want to hear more from you. So think about that as you listen to this week's episode. And then also in future episodes, let's start sharing these great insights that we're getting out of these podcasts. There's a lot of information here and um, I would love to hear from you. So now that I said that, guys, I also want to actually share one more thing before we get into the interview because I'm always preaching injury prevention. Well, I don't know if you've ever had a rib injury, but it's really, really painful. So I've got something going on right now, kind of a quick story I'll share with you. And uh, the other day I was out running around outside with my daughters. We basically started some off-season training for one of my little girls for lacrosse. And we're working on some speed and agility work. And I have two little girls, but we're just out there having fun and kind of starting to show them, or at least my older daughter, you know, the mechanics of sprinting and working on some agility work, like I just mentioned. So anyway, later that night, I started to develop some pain in my upper chest and my ribs, actually, and really uncomfortable, really painful. I actually did fracture a rib before, and it's very, very painful. So I finally figured out what was going on, and what I found out is that I have some intercostal strain. Now, the intercostal uh, muscles are the, the muscles that are between your ribs. And uh, unfortunately, doing some of the agility work, the aggressive agility work that I was showing my little girls uh, caused this. And there's really nothing you can do about it. You know, you just have to deal with it. And um, for me, I just make sure that I'm moving in a pain-free range of motion. Although I was ready to start a program this week and I decided not to start the specific program because of this uh, situation. So that's going to have to wait about another week. And then, um, you know, I'll get back into what I was going to start. But the point is why I'm sharing this with you is because you always have to be aware of what you're doing. Don't be too aggressive, too fast, as I just did with some pretty aggressive sprint and agility work, which I hadn't done in some time. So I'm sharing this because always think about what you're doing. Always be aware about what you're doing, especially if you haven't done something in a while. Don't go crazy. Because you never know when you're going to have some type of little nagging injury uh, that can sneak up on you. 
And that's what I'm dealing with right now. Again, it's no big deal. It'll work itself out here in the next couple of days. But, but I thought that I would share that here with you. And maybe you could get something out of that. So, all right, guys, let's dive into the questions this week. And I have some really, really great questions. So the first question is a beginner kettlebell question. But whether you're a beginner or not, I think you might uh, get value out of this one. So Hank from the Netherlands asks, can you advise me on how many repetitions I need to start with in training with kettlebells? Now, I've had many other recent questions like this, so I thought that I would answer this one here on the show. So here are some very general guidelines, recommendations on rep schemes to begin with with kettlebells with some of the fundamentals. So the fundamentals I'm going to talk about are deadlift, swing, goblet squat, Turkish getup. So for the deadlift, pretty much two to three sets of five to 10 reps working on the hip hinge pattern and breathing. That's really why you do the deadlift, at least in, in my opinion, is you do the deadlift to learn the proper hip hinge and the breathing pattern, and that sets the stage for a good kettlebell swing. So a couple of sets, five to 10, and you're good to go on the deadlift, really working on the hip hinge, neutral spine, and a good breathing pattern. Next, the kettlebell swing. If a good hip hinge is present, if good kettlebell swing technique is present, and you're starting to learn about the kettlebell swing, then I would start with sets of 10 repetitions. Basically shoot for about five sets of 10 repetitions, and then start to build volume from there. Increase sets and reps as technique improves, as you feel more comfortable, as conditioning improves, things like that. But for a beginner, sets of 10 is perfectly fine to start with. And, uh, you know, five sets is, is a good baseline. That's, that's 50 reps. And then again, build and escalate your volume from there. With the goblet squat, typically five to 10 reps and a couple of sets there. Now, this may depend on how you're using the goblet squat. So are you doing it more for mobility work or for general strength and conditioning? If you do it more for general strength and conditioning, then five to 10 reps are good. If you're doing it more for mobility, then three to five prying goblet squats are typically what I'll do. So the goblet squat with a pry is when you go down and you really kind of rock side to side, really pry those hips open, pry the, the ankles and knees, and well, not so much the knees, really pry those hips and ankles, and it's a really uh, great mobility drill. So there you go, five to 10 reps with the goblet squat, depending on what you're doing. Turkish get up. With the Turkish get up, I typically do just a couple of reps, even in my own training right now. Anywhere from one to five reps is pretty much what I do in most of the programming. Now, the focus as a beginner is to really learn the movement. When you start, you want to learn the movement in a unloaded pattern and then start to load the movement with a kettlebell and then work to building uh, a get up with a heavier kettlebell. But just a few reps is all that is really needed in general. As a beginner, you want to try to work up to five reps because actually the more reps you do with the movement, you're going to learn the movement better. You're going to move more efficiently through the movement with the get up. And uh, so higher reps um, when you're learning the movement to, to learn the movement and program that movement more effectively. Again, you really need to you know, make sure that you're doing the movement correctly, get good coaching, make sure you read uh, good books and really learn how to do the technique uh, the right way. And then, of course, you can always progress to higher volume training as the movement and skill progresses for more strength and more conditioning. But in general, for beginners, one to five reps, and then I would say that even 
for advanced individuals, one to five reps, and then really you know loading up that get up with a heavier kettlebell. So again, these are very general guidelines, and it will really depend on where you are in your training and what your specific goals are, but hopefully that was helpful. The next question comes from Karsten, who asks, I have a question about kettlebell sport. What is your opinion about kettlebell sport according to back health and problems? Is kettlebell sport safe for the back, even if the back is more rounded? Well, this is a really great question. So kettlebell sport obviously is the Garavori sport technique. So I will say that my preferred style is hard style kettlebell technique, which I feel is optimal for back health. And this is one of the major reasons that I was uh, drawn to hard style technique is because of the biomechanics and movement principles. So there's nothing wrong with any other style as long as you understand it. But for me, I think that uh, the hard style technique is really optimal because it keeps the back in a neutral spine position and you're really focused on that nice uh, hip hinge with the uh, kettlebell swing. And then even with the other um, movements, any overhead work, you know, you really want to keep uh, tight and stable, keep a nice uh, strong spine and really, you know, keep a good rack position so that things are strong and, and stable there. Um, I don't do kettlebell sport training because it's not really a match for my goals, at least right now. And I prefer movements that keep the spine and body in the best biomechanical alignment and position. So for back health, hard style technique would absolutely be my recommendation and preferred technique. But uh, there's nothing wrong, as I mentioned, with any style, as long as you understand why you're doing it, and then also making sure that it is a match for your goals. So that's really the big thing. The next question, this is a really good one from Joey Mastis. I hope that I said that right. So Joey says, being an endurance athlete myself, I was wondering if you could share a podcast on your personal thoughts on strength training in the endurance world and how baseline strength opens up so many doors to improving performance. In other words, if you were a coach for a marathon runner or Ironman athlete, what would your thoughts or insight be into volume, frequency, primary lifts, recovery, nutrition, etc.? I know this is such a broad topic, and of course, it depends, but I'd love to hear your two cents on this subject. So again, Joey, great question. Let me give you some insight here, at least my thoughts on this, my two cents here. So one thing I talk about here all the time on the podcast is strength improves every other quality. I wrote about that in my book, The Edge of Strength. Uh, dig into that for more on, on why that is. But strength really improves every other physical quality. And now we need to make sure that we're moving well. Fa movement is really the, the foundation. And then strength is the foundation for athletic qualities and, and fitness. Okay. That's where everything is built. So for runners specifically, heavy strength training actually improves running economy. There's a specific study that actually looked at this. I, I, there's at least one study that, that I'm aware of from the medicine and science in sports and exercise in which this study looked at distance runners who performed heavy lifting where they did four sets of a four RM back squat for eight weeks and then improved max strength, rate of force development, running economy, and time to exhaustion in max aerobic speed. This is a, a really interesting study, but the, the bottom line is that the distance runners significantly benefited from heavy 
strength training. Again, the four sets of a heavy 4RM back squat through eight weeks of training. Now, this is a study that I should probably um, or could further discuss on the Scientific Strength Podcast. And I am going to be going back to that soon, guys. So just to let you know that I have not forgot about that show and that podcast will be coming back. And this study that I'm referring to here is a great study to talk about on scientific strength. But let's talk more specifics here. Okay, so if I were coaching an endurance athlete right now, well, number one, it would depend on what type of endurance athlete they were and specifically what they were training for. I would basically, well, number one, keep the goal the goal. Okay, so the goal is to compete in a endurance event, of course. But if I were doing uh, strength training, how would I incorporate that? I would probably train them at a frequency of two to three times a week. May depend on the individual, but at least two times and up to three times a week. Primary lifts would be squats, deadlifts, presses, kettlebell swings, get-ups, a, a carry of some sort. Really, these are the fundamentals, okay? So primary lifts are going to be the fundamental exercises. No matter what you do, it's always important to know why. Why are you doing this exercise and how does it work to address uh, the primary goals? Why you would do the primary lifts is to address strength, stability, mobility, movement, flexibility, and other things along those lines. Okay, so other training considerations in this whole big picture approach here would include recovery, obviously, is, is very, very important. And if you're doing strength training with endurance uh, preparation, you really have to emphasize sleep, stress management, uh, proper nutrition, of course, nutrient timing, supplementation, all of those things. There's so many other factors that go into play for optimizing a training program. So if you're doing it, well, any training pro program. So if you're talking about a marathon athlete here or any type of athlete, um, you know, it's all these other factors, the sleep, stress, nutrition, nutrient timing, supplementation, all these other factors, they all have a key role in maximizing performance, right? So there's many other factors to consider. And as I already mentioned, it's very, very important to keep the goal the goal and do only things that will add to the primary goal and not take away. So that is really the key. Again, if training for an endurance event is the primary objective, then it's simple. Keep the goal the goal and do the things that will support that goal and not take away. And what I mean by that is, so you wouldn't want to do overly aggressive strength training for that person, for that individual. But strength would be a part of that because it would help the endurance athlete. Again, there's so many different factors here and uh, so many variables that will be dependent on the person, the individual, and then the timing of the endurance event. So as you got closer to the event, the strength training would be phased out, for example. Again, there's just so many different things here. This is a really, really big question. These are just general guidelines. Um, very, very big picture. So keep that in mind. I do think that many recreational endurance athletes undervalue and blow off the importance of strength training in their approach uh, based on what I see in the real world. And what I mean by that is that many recreational runners and so forth uh, do not engage in strength training when just a couple of days of the fundamental uh, lifts would be very beneficial for them. So again, this is just what I see in, in the real world, kind of in the general population. Um, there are always exceptions, of course, but uh, it goes back to the point that strength really does help the other physical qualities. All right.
All right. The next question comes from John and John asks, I've had both knees replaced one, four years ago and one, six months ago. I am limited in how far I can bend my knees. He reports his knee flexion range of motion is approximately 135 to 140 degrees, which actually is pretty good. And of course, very functional. I was wondering if the limited ranges of motion in my knees would limit the effectiveness of the kettlebell domination program. Should I look for another program that is less intense or can the kettlebell domination program be customized to work around these limitations? This is a really, really good question. And just to let you know, the kettlebell domination program, that is one of my programs that is available at ardellatraining.com. But this is the honest answer to that question. And there's so many things actually that I don't know about John and where he is in his training. So the first thing, obviously, is to be medically cleared for the exercise program, for any exercise program, of course. So I just wanted to mention that. So I said, John, this is a really good question. I think that the kettlebell domination program can be modified, of course, but it, but it is an intense program. No matter what program you do, the knee range of motion will be somewhat of a limiting factor, but 140 degrees is not too bad and, in fact, quite functional. It's really hard to answer your question without seeing how well you move, what programming you've done, and other things. But it sounds like you may have the ability to do uh, goblet squats in a limited range of motion, which is really near full range of motion, kettlebell swings, get-ups, and maybe some of the basics. But honestly, I don't know based on your question here. So based on what I know, I suggested that it would be better to wait to do the kettlebell domination program. And I would look for a more basic fundamental program. I, again, I don't know if John is a beginner or not, but uh, I'm really all about the fundamentals. So I recommended something as simple as simple and sinister. Now, simple and sinister does contain Turkish getups. So that may or may not be a, a program for John because it does involve getting on the knee so that might be uncomfortable for John if he's only six months out from a total knee replacement. Um, but he might be able to do swings and a uh, modified kind of goblet squat and then some presses, you know, something along those lines where you're doing some mobility work and some, you know, building that program around kettlebell swings, keeping things simple. So I think that there is a, a version out of Simple and Sinister that John could take away from that and modify that. But, um, you know, based on, on his question, I thought that something more basic, uh, would be better suited for him. So I hope that that helps, but I think for anybody listening that, uh, you know, if you have physical, uh, challenges, limitations, range of motion limitations, things like that, um, you, you definitely do have to consider your programming carefully and then modify as appropriate based on what you can do and, uh, and skill level, of course. So this, there's just so many factors here that, that, again, I don't know about John, but I hope that this is at least somewhat helpful and uh, to look at a more basic and effective program. All right, let's move on to the next question here. The next question comes from Henrik Eriksson from Sweden, who asks, what program would you recommend doing between the more intense programs like kettlebell domination and then the more recent barbell bodybuilding, which is another program from Ardella Training. And then how long between these programs do you think it's best to wait before doing any 
of the, of the mentioned program. So I guess the question he's asking here is how long do you wait if you're doing a program like kettlebell domination, which is a single kettlebell program, and then the barbell bodybuilding, which is a, uh, a barbell-based muscle building program. So it doesn't matter what program we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about two different programs for specific goals. So the answer, all right, the answer is it depends on what your goals are and how you feel. Now, with these two specific programs, they're designed with a peak in the final week. So it really kind of builds up to that, that last week, and it kind of culminates with a peak in the final week of training. And that's why I recommend a deload after each of these programs. Now, what is a deload? A deload is a reduction in the training intensity and volume for a few days up to a week, okay? So that's my recommendation here. But it may depend on how you feel. If you're feeling good and you're feeling like you can continue on, then you start over. So if you're going to repeat a program like either of those, then you would start over from the beginning and then you'd maybe try to increase your intensity if you could during a program like that. Now, I, I always prefer structured programs like these programs or, or any structured program or a framework of training uh, as opposed to variety work. However, when you're done a structured program, this is the time to do some planned variety work. You know, you take a week or a couple of weeks and you just kind of mess around a little bit and just experiment with some things. And, you know, maybe you do follow a framework of a, of a template. I talk about that in the book, Edge of Strength, the difference between uh, random training frameworks and, and pure structure in programs. Uh, but maybe, you know, after you finish a structured program, this is the time to take some variety in what you do. And the amount of time is really up to you. But what I say in the book and what I've said a lot, by far the most effective way for me to get results is through structured programming, without a doubt. And I, the more programming I do, you know, I'm tending to follow these more structured programs. It just works for me. It keeps me moving forward. All right. So not to get too far off track here. So, but let's go back to these two programs again, the kettlebell domination, and the barbell bodybuilding. Okay. So one is basically a, a single kettlebell performance slash fat loss uh, training program. And the other one is a barbell based hypertrophy program. So there are many scenarios, okay? But the way that I would recommend is to do a hypertrophy training phase and then you follow that with a fat loss training phase. That seems to make the most sense because you're going to put on mass, you're going to get stronger, you're going to build bigger muscles, okay? You're probably going to add a little extra uh, fat weight, okay, as you're gaining muscle size. And then you're going to go into a fat loss type of program or a conditioning type program and then strip away the body fat, but you're going to have more muscle tissue. So you're going to be bigger, leaner, and then stronger with that combination. So that's what I would do, whether we're talking about these programs or any programs, a hypertrophy phase and then a fat loss phase. I mean, that's just um, a great way to approach it. Um, what do you do in between? So what do you do in between these programs? Well, that's a question I get a lot. What actually do you do when you deload? Well, again, a deload is lower volume and intensity training. So you could do something where you're basically following a framework, which is a looser based type of a program. And you do this framework, something like a three by three or a five, three, one, 
or even the simple and sinister that I already mentioned. That would be absolutely perfect. So I think that these are examples of things that you would do in between programs like this. Again, you do planned variety, you do a framework of a program, you do an actual program that would be lower volume. And that that's actually one thing I should definitely mention is because kettlebell domination and barbell bodybuilding, they are progressively increased in terms of volume. So you want to you want to reduce the volume after you do an intense training program like that. That's why a simple three by three at a lower intensity or even a simple simple and sinister is a good way to do a reduced volume program after an intense program and uh, give your body a rest. That's the key. That is the key. All right. Hopefully that answered that question. I know there's a lot of information there. Um, one other last question I'm going to mention here, and then we're going to wrap up. And this is a very frequently asked question on general preparation for the strong first certification for the SFG certification. Uh, so the simple answer is to train for the SFG, All right? So you keep focused on the fundamentals, uh, you focus on the six exercises that are part of the SFG. And I, I recommend that you look at the requirements for the strong first certification, or if you're doing another certification, you know, look at the requirements, understand those requirements, do a lot of double kettlebell work that will get you stronger, build up your conditioning, the snatch test, of course, is a part of that. Um, I know that stresses a lot of people out. Don't be freaked out about the snatch test. But on the other hand, make sure that you're ready for it. Make sure that a few weeks out prior to the SFG or whatever kettlebell certification you're doing, that you are ready for the snatch test and you're not going to be worried about are you going to make it on the certification day. At least that's the way I like to approach it. There are many different training programs and approaches Keep it simple. Um, you know, there's a lot of great information out there now. I wrote an article uh, some time ago on preparation for the SFG. I'll probably attach a link to that in the show notes for this episode. Get with a coach who can give you some uh, guidance on your technique and uh, you know your your approach to the certification. And whether you do that online or live, live would be best, of course. But certainly, online is uh, is definitely an option as well. So. That's really the simple answer is to really, really focus on the goal and don't do a lot of the other stuff. I, I really actually probably would not do much barbell work um, and other things. I'd really focus on preparation for the strong first certification. That's, that's my approach anyway. So I hope that that helps. Again, uh, definitely check out the article that I'll put in the show notes for this episode. This was a fun episode. Uh, pretty cool. I hadn't done... Uh, you know, this uh, Q&A type stuff in a while. I hope you got value out of it. Again, a lot of information here. So think about what you can take away and, uh, and use. All right. So next week on the podcast and in the coming weeks, I have some phenomenal guests coming your way. Really, really excited about uh, the people that are coming on the show. I actually had many interviews that I've already done that are recorded right now, but I wanted to do this solo show and, uh, you know, just take this time and talk about some of these things here. I don't want to get away from the, uh, the solo uh, shows here where I can hopefully share some good value for you. But next week on the podcast, we have uh, the mad scientist of strength, Chris Duffin. I think you're really going to get a lot out of this one. I think you're going to love this interview. So stay tuned for that. Let me know what we can do better here on the podcast, what you want to hear more of here on the show, how we can serve you better, feedback, 
and uh, comments, all that kind of stuff. Guess recommendations. That would be awesome. Got a lot of exciting things coming your way, so stay tuned for that. As always, if you like the show, please be sure to drop in your review in iTunes. Every review really helps to grow the show, and uh, I would really appreciate it. So thank you so much. All right, guys, that's a wrap for episode number 163. That is all we got this week. Also, guys, make sure if you're not a subscriber at Ardella Training, go to ardellatraining.com forward slash join. You're going to find a bunch of uh, free things that I give away, a training mistakes guide, the kettlebell impact report, and then a resource guide with five of my favorite strength and conditioning tools. So you get all this for free uh, on that page, ardellatraining.com forward slash join. And I hope you become part of the Ardella Training community. So thanks again, guys, for being here with me this week. Please let me know how I can help, and I'll see you next week on the Ardella Training Podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Ardella Training Podcast. Go to ardellatraining.com right now to join Scott's tribe of passionate fitness enthusiasts. Get valuable updates and resources that will help you take it to the next level. Train strong. We'll catch you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast.